Welcome to the Messiah's Branch Broadcast, a one-hour prophecy program on the American Voice Radio Network, featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Greetings, saints, and welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We're broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is December 14, Saints, the world is in turmoil. Most don't realize it, but we are in that time of the end, and that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. So it's time to get us in the world and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Did you not hear the sound of the shofar? Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make the choice for Yeshua tonight. If you need help after the program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. But if you get in the machine, leave your name, number, prayer request, and or message. Phone number, of course, 620-878-4682. And an emergency cell phone number where you can just use it, 316-619-4886. It is my real cell phone. So please, if you're using a smartphone to get a hold of me, first everybody is, text me first so I know that it's not a robocall because I get so many. You can always find updates with the breaking news all about the Wichita Mission Church, radio program archives, contact information, all this is where, hey, it's at our ministry hub, which is prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. Remember, we're a live radio program, which is simulcast live on that, internationally on some independent FM and four different MP3 streams. I think it's actually more than that. Kick, Twitch, Rumble, PhoneBridge, picked up by most every podcaster out there. And if you're watching on those video streams, you could look up there and prayerfully you can see my guest um, webpage tonight. Anyway, let's take our listener base. Places like Chilliwack, Canada, Gold Coast, Australia, Frankfurt, Germany, and places such in the United States such as Atlanta, Georgia, Denton, Texas, Riverside, California. Last week, Tulsa, Oklahoma, yeah, the most listeners to our pod, I hate that word podcast, um, Radio Program Archives at our podcast site at branch.podomatic.com. You know, folks, we were on radio a long time. They didn't used to call it podcast. We just kept our radio archives. Anyway, now you call them podcasts. That's a terrible thing. Anyway, dear Heavenly Father, and you show Hamashiach's name. Father, I pray radio tonight goes according to your will, not our will, Father Yahweh. So please, in your son, Yeshua HaMashiach's mighty name, bless this program tonight. Amen and amen. Well, yes, folks, if you're if you're on one of the video places, um, you can see Pastor Carl Gallup's webpage. Uh, pastor Carl Gallup's is a best-selling author. He's been a senior pastor since 1987. He's a talk radio host. Heard He's heard nationally and internationally. Yes, if you go to his webpage, you can see all the places that, that visit his uh, website from all over the world. He's been on, he's on TV and he's a radio guest commentator. He's a former decorated Florida law enforcement officer 
founder of P.P. Simmons News and Ministry Network. And he's also a member of the Board of Regents of the University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama. He's written 13 books. <clears throat> the Rabbi Who Found Messiah, The Magic Man in the Sky, Final Warning, guys, Get Out Prepared, When the Lion Roars, Gods and Thrones, Gods of Ground Zero, The Rabbi, The Secret Message, and the Identity of Messiah, Gods of the Final Kingdom, Masquerade at Predicted COVID, The Summoning, Glimpses of Glory, and The Yeshua Protocol, which is a dynamite book if you haven't read it. It's got a lot of really, really great things you'll want to share with everybody. Anyway, so welcome, Carl. Are you there with me? Pastor Dan, thanks for having me. This is not a robocall, and I am glad to be on your podcast tonight. Oh, uh, uh, podcast, that terrible word. You know, uh, uh, when uh, I'm glad to have, love having you on. Um, when we first, when I first started doing radio, it wasn't an easy thing just to go click, click, you know what I mean, and put something on the Internet. We had yeah, to record it. It was quite a chore. But. Yeah, yeah. Same with me, brother. And um, I got into radio, I guess I was 16 or 17. I had a summer program for two years, really? my junior and senior year in high school. And uh, that was many, many moons ago, brother. <laughs> for well, and now years. I want to know, what did you talk about? Tell me about it. I'm curious. Yeah, well, see what it was. We we were spinning records back then, but we also took phone calls, and so it was kind of like it was an early form of a talk show. And people, believe it or not, would talk about all kinds of things—things things they had heard on the news, things that were going on in the area, just wanted opinions on it. And so we did a little bit of that. We didn't try to turn it into a you know a two-hour straight talk show like you and I have become accustomed yeah. to. But yeah, I was doing that way back then. So I, I wow. do enjoy radio. Yeah, but but you're right. The tech was very low tech back then. Yeah. Well, folks, he's an he's really an old veteran, you know. Ha ha ha. Yeah. 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 Carl, yeah. I'm going to let you tonight. Listen, give me thirty seconds here. Okay. I'm going to let you talk about whatever's on your heart tonight. But I have a question to ask you that I want you to answer first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go, folks. Okay, folks, uh, some of you know it, others don't, and I'm not going to get into a real deep definition of this, but today is the last day of Hanukkah. It started at dark. Okay, that just to make it short, it's a Hebrew feast of dedication. Hanukkah means dedication. They rededicated the temple after a guy by the name of Antiochus, a Roman ruler, had desecrated the temple. So it's about rededication. So here's the question for Pastor Carl, and it really isn't about Hanukkah. Do we, Carl, as Christians, or simply put, believers in Yeshua HaMashiach, ever have to relook at ourselves and rededicate our lives to Him, or we just get baptized and say all that stuff once, and then we're good from then on? What's your word? Yeah, well, well, I appreciate that. And do you somehow want me to relate that to Hanukkah? Um, I Whatever mean, your heart desires, but my, if you want to. But here's the kicker. Do people really, you know, the question, do people really have to rededicate themselves? Or are we just good from once then on? And you can relate it to Hanukkah, whatever you want to oh, do. Tonight okay. it's your program. Well, no, well, it's your program, brother. But I mean, I, I'm a guest. But 
but you you treat me like family, so I love you so much for it. I appreciate it. Well, I think what you might be doing, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, it's your program. I think you might be asking two or three questions here. One of them is kind of about Hanukkah and how that relates to the Christian life and what it means and how. And then you, you refer that to this rededication process that that many Christians speak of because the, the, the Jews during that time in the 160s BC, they were rededicating the temple. And I can get into what that was about, how that corresponds to what's happening right now, how it corresponds to prophecy and how it corresponds to the New Testament. So, but I think your main question, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this idea this teaching and preaching about rededicating oneself to the Lord. Is that correct? Yes, all of the above. I, I love it all. Go for it. Oh, okay. okay. I just want to make sure I was hearing you correctly. It, you're great. I didn't, I didn't want to talk for an hour and then you say, well, you missed the point entirely, Carl. <laughs> that would have been fun, though. Yeah, it would have been. I didn't want to give you that fun, you see. So, not at my expense. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, listen, listen, people argue about the whole uh, thing of rededication, and I think it's a matter of terminology and understanding, perspective and context. Here's what I mean by that. It's like people ask me all the time, do you believe in that once saved, always saved stuff? Look, I believe in what the Bible contextually says. I believe in what the what Jesus contextually says. I believe in what the biblical writers, of course, contextually say about that, and that is this. I can put it in one sentence. Once saved, always saved, if you are truly born again. See, because a lot, I mean, Jesus said, my sheep will never perish. They, they, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. They hear my voice. They follow me, and, and, and I, they know me, and I know them. So, see, he's speaking. If you have a born-again relationship, okay, can we stumble and fall? Oh, yeah, Paul stumbled and fell all the time. He talked about it. The things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do want to do, I wind up not doing. But thanks be to God, my victory is in Jesus. And so, so the scriptures are pretty clear. But, see, here's the problem. Here's what has muddied it up, I think, in a lot of a lot of Christians' minds and just the world, you know, when they mock us and say, oh, yeah, you just get saved, then you can live like you want. Well, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Well, you say once saved, always saved. Well, but wait a minute. We're talking about two different things. We're talking about one thing, just saying we're saved, just saying, Lord, Lord. What does Matthew, Jesus say in Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount? Not everybody who just says, Lord, Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. And then we learn a little bit later on in John where it says, here is the will of the Father. This is the Father's will, that you would come to his Son and believe. And that word believe means believe with your life, believe with your heart in a relationship. For example, uh, Romans 10:9. if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and watch this, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. Okay, so I started with this idea of salvation. See, the problem is we've watered it down. We In America especially, we want our churches to be mega churches. We want them to be like corporate America with a pastor as the CEO and all kind of minions around him. And 
you know, and, and then, but, but to do that, to sustain that, we got to have people and they got to bring their money. So the more people we get, the more money we get and the more we can sustain our little empire. Well, how do we get more people? Make it really easy to be, and I'm making air quotes, one of us. Well, how do you do that? Come on down here, shake the preacher's hand and you'll be saved. Come on down here and say a, say a little prayer with us. Repeat after me. All right, praise God, you're saved. Well, maybe or maybe not, but to, to be born again. Think of Nicodemus in John chapter 3, one of the most prolific, one of the most powerful religious leaders of his day, an Orthodox Jew, a rabbi who was also a member of the Sanhedrin Council, and Jesus effectively told him, even you are not good enough in your own righteousness, Nicodemus, to get into heaven. Even you. Because Nicodemus came to him in John chapter 3 and he said, look, you, look, we know you must be a teacher that's come from God because nobody can say these things or do these things unless they've come from... And then Jesus stopped him. He said, stop, Nicodemus. No one will enter into the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. Jesus, that's Jesus said that. Christians didn't invent that term, born again. Nicodemus had never heard it before. He said, what, what, what are you talking about? Do I have to get back in my mother's womb? I think Jesus smiled. He might have even chuckled when he heard that. But he said, no. He said, what's born of the flesh is flesh, Nicodemus. But what's born of the Holy Spirit is spiritual. And that is the born again I'm talking about. Now I'm paraphrasing. But so we, we, it starts in John 3, it goes to Matthew 7, his first sermon, and Jesus makes it clear. And then you get to John 10 when he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. So when you put all that together and everything else the Scripture says about salvation, then we know that salvation is forever if we are truly born again. The rest of our life, the ups and downs and ins and outs, um, uh, either prove that we're saved or prove that we're not, that we're just saying, Lord, Lord. And, and it also proves that we are God's children. The Bible says that God disciplines his children because he loves them. Why? Because they are his, because they are really his children, but they still live in Satan's world. They still have to struggle with their sin nature. But their advantage is they're covered in the blood of Jesus. They have the Holy Spirit to guide them. They are God's children. And God can make all things work together for good for those that know him and love him and are called according to his purpose. So this whole thing of salvation, we've watered it down. You know, it, well, if you're a Catholic, you're saved. Well, come to this Baptist church and you can get saved. Uh, come, you, you know, I, I belong to so-and-so church and I love my preacher and I prayed a little prayer with him. I'm saved. Well, I pray to God that you really are born again. But those things that I just said have really nothing to do with salvation. Nicodemus found that out. All right, now we get to recommitting and rededicating. And you were playing off the term of Hanukkah, the rededication uh, ceremony, and that's really also important to our life. It is in the New Testament, and it's scriptural. We'll get to that in a moment. But this term rededication is similar to salvation. That is, it depends upon what you mean. It depends upon the context. It depends upon uh, the, the the foundation upon which you're, you're standing. It depends upon the semantical way you might be using that term. It's a it's a it's a churchy term. Uh, yeah, rededication. 
is found in the Bible, in, in, either in that English word or in other words. But I know what you're talking about. You're talking about, you know, come down here, rededicate your life. And, and then some people, like, they come to the altar or they come to somebody for prayer, like, every Sunday. I'll yeah. rededicate my Do what, brother? I laughed. I'm sorry. I know a couple people. Oh, no, no, that's okay. Me too. I've been a pastor a long time, brother. And, you know, and, and before that, I grew up in churches, and I'd watch the same people every Sunday. And the preacher would get up, a lot of them back in the old days, old Baptist churches, you know, praise God, sister, so-and-so is rededicating her life. And you could just see people in the congregation going, yeah, for the 400th time, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, but, but anyway, here's the bottom line. The contextual understanding of rededication simply means Every day is a new day in the Lord. Satan is attacking every day. He's applying new tricks every day. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we fall. And we have to get up and repent and make it right and come before the Lord. But the very fact that we're convicted by it, the very fact that we're wanting to make it right, the very fact that we come to our Heavenly Father and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm like Paul. The things I don't want to do, I struggle with. And sometimes I do them. And the Lord doesn't say, okay, no big deal, no big deal. No, he says, okay, I'm going to have to discipline you for this, my child, but I love you. You are mine. Walk in the strength of the fact that you belong to me. But yes, let's make this right, whatever that requires. So this rededication thing, listen, I think every person who has a real relationship with the Lord in their spirit I mean, when they wake up in the morning, and this doesn't have to be some kind of a ritual, like a magic ritual, but just say, Lord, thank you for another day. I, man, I, I, I probably messed up yesterday. Get, let, let's have a better day today, Lord. Guide me. Give me wisdom. Give me discernment. And then start walking that day. So every day is kind of a day of rededication. Every day we have a day of life. If we're walking in Jesus, we rededicate our life to the Lord. doesn't mean we get resaved. It means we are saying, Lord, I, I, I want to do even better today if that's possible. I, I, I really want to to really make a difference for your kingdom today. Just guide me. I will, I will be attentive to the Holy Spirit. And then at the end of the day, we lay our head down on the pillow and we say, Oh, I blew that, Lord. <laughs> I mean, or, or sometimes we say, You know what, Lord? It was a good day today. But the bottom line is, what are you doing? You're talking to your Heavenly Father. You have a relationship. You're talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the wonderful. And he loves that in the same way we love it when our kids and grandkids come to us and just share their heart, their lives, their victories, and their failures. We don't dream of kicking them out of the family because they made some mistakes that day or they got lured away by the stupid world. Instead, we listen to them. We help them to get rededicated in, in their connection to us and to the family. If they need discipline, we give them discipline. If we can mark it up as a learning experience and go forward, we do that. But it's a relationship. So, yes, rededication. But, you know, going forward every Sunday, shaking the preacher's hand and saying, I'm rededicating my life, you know, th those kinds of things get a little silly, in my opinion. I'm, I'm not calling people silly. I'm not disparaging <laughs> anybody. I'm just saying that that. The idea of rededication, if it's in biblical context, it's a sweet release valve that God has given us in the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, we don't have to walk around under condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and it, you know, the, the old things are passing away. The new things are coming. That's actually in the Greek language. That's, it means it's active. Some, some translations, you know, the old things are gone. The new has come. A lot of translations say that, but the Greek is a lot more active. It, it, it more properly translates as the old things are in the process of passing away. That's called the sanctification process. And then new things are in the process of coming into our lives. But as long as we're in this body of flesh in Satan's kingdom, we're not at a disadvantage, a total disadvantage, because we have the Holy Spirit. We have the blood of Jesus on us. We have a personal relationship with our Creator. But we do have the slight disadvantage, well, a big disadvantage that the obedient angels have around God's throne. That is, they're living in the holy presence of God. We're living in the unholy presence of Satan, the prince of this world, but not for long. So anyway, yeah, there, there kind of has to be a, a soulful rededication process daily, if, 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 if you understand my context. Uh, but um, I truly believe once you are saved, you are always saved. If you are born again, Nicodemus, if you are born again. Does all that make sense, Pastor Dan? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you and you open up kind of a can of worms there. I mean, just in this, the sense that I'm glad you touched on the fact that, you know, so many people say, yeah, they, they said the prayer. There's really the, 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 the context. They just say the prayer, yeah, okay, I'm saved, but they don't understand. They didn't get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They didn't get it because, you know, they just weren't discipled enough to that point. Uh, they don't realize that. You know, you're calling, you're sure you're saying, well, he's the Lord of my life. Is he really? You know, he right. says to some, he says, why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? Um, and so... There is a marker there. It's where you're really truly, and it is that. Whether you're right. really truly saved, or you just, you know, did you go to some place and everybody's jumping in the water and you go with everybody, and then okay, I'm I'm good. Uh, I I know it's a, go ahead. I know it's about time for a break. So, but when we come back, if if you would allow me, unless you want to go on to something else, but I could do a little exegetical. Uh, uh, that is a word study, and I'm not talking down to people. Some people don't know what that theological term means, exegetical, but it means a, a word study and a contextual study of a passage of Scripture that kind of clears all this up. And, and it also gives insight into why we've strayed so far in America because we take the English words that, you know, because... The New Testament was written largely in Greek. The Old Testament was written largely in Hebrew. We largely read it almost 100% of us read it in English. So yeah. it's a translation. So some of the power and the richness and the meaning of the words that the Greek has, the Hebrew has, but sometimes the translations miss it. And then what happens over several hundred years in our nation, for example, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we take what the English says and we make it mean things that are expedient to our culture but they are not biblically accurate. And I would love to give an example of that when we come back. Yeah, that would be great. You know, I really, this looks like a good direction to go. I was, <clears throat> but in the meantime, let's tell them where they can find it at. You, although for the people on video, I do have it up on the page. Yeah, thanks, anyway. thanks. It's an interactive website, one page 
repository. You don't have to click page after page after page. A lot of the pages just open on that page. When you click the link, it just opens on that page. In fact, I see you scrolling down. Go down to the to to the bottom where you've got all those links. Keep keep going, keep going. All right, right there. Drop down links. For example, uh, click on any of them. I need help with addiction or Carl's bio or whatever. Any of those, and and you can just see. Just, yeah, see, it drops down. Show them that if you want. Oh, yeah, it does. See, it just drops down right on the page, see? And then you scroll down, and you're still on that page. And then look at all those links and questions that people have. And then at the bottom, there's a thing called Ask the Preacher. And then there's like 50 more articles there, uh, right, where it says a huge library of Ask the Preacher articles. Click on that. And, I mean, these have been in newspapers around the nation. So, so anyway, there's just... Oh, wow, we've got a mail, Carl. Okay. Folks, that's that's at carlgallops.com, carlgallops.com. We'll be right back. Pastor Dan will be right back. In this time of the social and spiritual breakdown of America and the world, in these prophetic end times, God is calling multitudes of Christians to the Ozarks and other safe havens around the world to survive so they can spread the gospel. The Ark Haven Intentional Neighbors Vision is to prepare Christians physically, mentally, and spiritually for these end times. Thousands are coming to the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas and Missouri, where even the CIA says it's one of the safest places on earth. The Intentional Neighbors concept allows Christian neighbors to own adjacent land to each other so they can aid and help each other. The community is exploding with nurses, a doctor, and other professionals as well as many others. If you cannot afford to buy a house, you can rent a house. Call 479-502-1789. That's 479-502-1789. Or visit arkhaven.org. That's arkhaven.org. Tell the Pastor Dan sent you. Whether you are pre-trib, mid-trib, or pre-wrath, or post-trib, whatever your position is, this book will help you to find the truth. If you're really looking for the truth about the rapture, I honestly believe you will find it in this book. It'll settle in your spirit because the truth is the Holy Spirit knows the truth about the rapture. And one of the reasons that the people other than post-trib can't seem to find peace about this is because the Holy Spirit is trying to tell them that they don't have the truth. That is, until they find post-trib. But either way, this is going to help you to find the peace about the rapture. I really recommend you get it. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of 10. 1 for 20, 10 for 30, and 20 for 50 at prophecyclub.com. One for 20, but don't do that. 10 for 30, 20 for 50, give you extras to give to your friends. Because once you read this one, you're going to be handing this to your pastors, to all of your Christian friends, and just ask them to read it. If they get through the first chapter, they're going to read the whole book, and they're going to love it, and it's going to help them to really find the truth about the rapture. How Pre-Trib 1 at prophecyclub.com.
folks. This is Pastor Dan Catlin. You're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. And yeah, it's one of our favorite times of the month because we've got Pastor Carl on with us. But just let me give you two couple of words and we'll get right back with him. Folks, um, we're in a season where everything, you know, November, December, everything ramps up. People's needs are, are much, much greater. And normally, these are better months for us to get donations for the Wichita Mission Church. But right now, that's just not happening. I understand it. People, inflation, all that jazz, it's a problem most people don't have anymore. So I want you to share our radio programs. That would be a good way to help us out. And if you can do a donation, that's great, too. You can donate online, cash out, mail a check or money order, call, give a donation over the phone, find all the information at prophecyhour.com. And if you don't want to donate to the Mission Church, donate to radio because your donations keep us on the air. And now we're back with Pastor Carl. Are you still with us? I'm still with you, brother. I'm still there, believe it or not. Yeah, amen. I kind of figured that. No, I really yeah, I have that effect on people. Hey, I, I, I'm sorry for backing you right up against the break. I, I got excited about showing people the website and how it works. Um, because when people go there and they start working it around, I almost, we get a lot of feedback on it. You know, people say, this yeah. is so cool. It's so easy to use. And there's tons of information between the videos, the information, the sermon archives, the relevant word radio broadcast archives and you listen to it live there or go to the archives brother you could be on there for a half a year and never finish with everything that you can find out there yeah absolutely and one of my favorite things too is is what i got pulled up right now you always got a couple of videos up there and you know i like to go over and listen to you you know what you had to say the one's usually a sermon to your congregation and the other one you know is just different things and uh, then you can see, while I name them, you can see your outreach to the world right there. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, amen. So you're covering the world, brother, and that's a great thing. That's what we got to do. That, and that's what people, you know, they ask you, well, what, what are you doing radio for? Well, uh, we're supposed to warn the world, and this is the best way that I, you know, I'm trying to warn the world. That means as many as possible. <laughs> And you are, and you're doing an amazing job. And, and, and I'm n- n- not trying to, you know, just blow smoke into your brother. You you are, and you've been doing this a long time. And you know from your own stats that you're reaching a lot of people around the world. And those people are talking, you know. They, yeah. they may be talking to people that maybe never listen to you or me, but they listen to the people that listen to us. And and so, you know, it's it's multiplying. And that's just the... The prophetic days we're living in. We're living in the days of the technolo- technological explosion that Daniel talked about, that Jesus talked about. Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom will be being preached. That's how it is in the Greek. It's an active verb. It will be being preached to all the world. And then the end will come. In other words, that's how you'll know you're in the last days, when the whole world is literally 24-7 hearing the gospel, if they want to. It's available. It's there. Well, brother, we're the only generation that that's ever happened in, and you are a big part of it. Isn't that fantastic? That's such yeah. a great thing. I, and yeah, your website—I'm—I'm I'm not trying to just you know brag, but there's a lot of good points. So you, with having a website like that, when you showed all those those different links to all those different questions, that's just mind blowing, folks. Um, you'd be amazed at what all's there. You could get lost in that for a very long time if you're yeah. curious. 
And people do. Yeah, people do. They call me up and they said, if I was still cursing, I'd curse you out. I stayed up all night long on your website. <laughs> well, of course, they're being funny. But, yeah, you know, know, there's everything from at the top, a daily scripture challenge. I mean, it changes every day. And then the links to the relevant word program and the archives. And, oh, my gosh, there's dozens of those up there already. And then the links to the, the sermon pray, playlist. That I mean, that goes back for years and you can go and just click on it and scroll down and find one that interests you. And there's 45 minutes to an hour of preaching and Bible study. And the people just love those things. And uh, and then you, on and on. You can watch TV programs I've been on. Not because, hey, look at me. I'm on TV. No, I mean, there are programs where we talk about the days we're living in. Stuff like this that you and I are doing. You can access yeah, and those. and. And all kinds of stuff. Plus, you can go to our store. You can look at all the books we have to offer. Then the now, that's a big that, deal. I like the store. In fact, you got Zeb Porat's new book, and I'm really into that book. I like it. Um, up there. Go ahead. That, that's right. You got a copy before it's even released. You've got that, don't you? Yeah, I got it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Blood Alliance. Isn't that a good book? Yeah, it's a great book. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm over talking to you. We got a little delay. I was honored to be asked to do to write the forward, and because I love him so much, I read every word of the book, of course. And then, you know, he sent me the manuscript. Then I wrote the forward, and I'm telling you, that's a powerful book. Yeah, yes, it is powerful, folks. You really ought to get it, but you can't get it yet. It's what well, January? Just a few, just a few weeks, January fifteenth. So that's just what less than a month away. Oh, yeah. My wife snapped me out of my delirium today. She pointed out that, hey, you realize that half the month's over. And, of course, you know, we have a wedding anniversary on the 23rd, which will be our 38th. Brother, I don't think I would admit to the world that your wife had to remind you of that. (laughs) Well, (laughs) she reminded me that we were at the month. Listen, I I have several dates that I never, ever forget. One is my wife's birthday. That's September 3rd. And my wedding anniversary, that one, and, you know, of course I got a couple others. But those two I don't let slip by. All other things, uh, you know, with all the kids, grandkids, all that, I don't have to memorize all those because I hear about them weeks in advance. Yeah, 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 yeah. By By the biological calendar. Yeah, you need to quit talking, brother. You're going to talk yourself right into a corner. Yes. Hey, we got something we were talking about. I think he's <laughs> yeah. going to take us on a journey. Yeah, I will. Hey, that, that's a good segue right there, brother. You were talking yourself into a bad trouble there. <laughs> you tell, telling your wife and the whole world that you depend upon your kids and grandkids to remind you of your anniversary. No, I depend on my wife to remind me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let me get to what I was going to say, and then I would like to touch on the Hanukkah thing if we have time, because you did bring that up in the beginning. But, okay. Uh, okay. yeah, so, so just to get to the whole rededication and what does it mean to be born again and saved, I mean, listen, the Bible Bible's clear on these things, but I love this one verse because when you know it in context and you know the nuances of the words, it really does People go, oh, I get it now. So let me do that. I'm talking about Romans 10:9. I often quote this, but in the English it says, If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Wow, that sounds like easy peasy, you know? 
Yeah. Okay, Jesus, you're Lord. I believe you died on that cross and rose from the grave. All right. Amen. I'm saved. Now I can go live like I want. Well, no. <laughs> not, not only does the rest of the Bible condemn that attitude and basically says if that's your attitude, then you are not born again, which is the real salvation. But, but, it, but as important as that is, what those words actually say, and, I, I, and, and I'll put it into the English nuances, but listen to this. So if you, will, if, if, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay, now stop. Confess with your mouth. That means tell it. Say it. Because Satan won't say that. <laughs> I believe Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, he will never say that. All right, confess with your mouth. Confess means that you're you're attesting to it, you're agreeing with it, you're believing in it. He is Lord, and the word Lord means God. It means boss. It means the the ruler. Okay, Satan thinks he's Lord. He thinks he's the little God of this age. He thinks this earth is his. He thinks your life is his. But what we're doing, we're reversing Satan's curse when we take our own mouth. And we say, no, Satan, you're not Lord. No, world, you're not Lord. No, political correctness, you're not Lord. No, woke theology, you are not Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Uh, uh, whether you want to worship the gods of your forefathers in the past back in Egypt, that's up to you. But as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. That's what that means when you start off by saying, if you will confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. That doesn't mean just going down, shaking the preacher's hand, and saying, praise God, I believe in Jesus. Well, yeah, some people believe in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and all that. So what's the difference? Oh, but confess with your mouth that you believe and that, that Jesus Christ is God. He's Savior. He's the boss. He's the God of this world. And I'm confessing him as the God of my life. All right, that's the first half. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now watch this. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now watch. It doesn't say believe in your mind, but now, but now, now wait a minute. I don't want to get too crazy here because God gave us a brain and a mind to believe things, to see things, to study things, to think about, and then to believe what we have ascertained is right or wrong. So, so it doesn't say bypass your mind, but when it says believe in your heart, that word heart speaks to the life of a man or a woman. It's to the soul. It means it means I'm in, I'm willing to invest my life in this belief, not just something in my mind. Let me give you an example of how this works. Satan believes that the Bible is the Word of God. He quotes it I, he, in the Bible. He quotes it to Jesus. He misquotes it, and he doesn't completely finish the quote, and he takes that out of context, but he knows the Bible, and he knows it's the Word of God, so he was trying to use it. And, and, and you know, he puts it in politicians' mouths. You've heard politicians misquote Scripture or butcher it, and the politicians don't even know it. It's God's way of showing us that know His Word, that these people are frauds, they're fake, they're false prophets. So when it says, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, here's what it means. It's like if I was terrified of flying, 
And so you were going to try to get me out of that. So you took me to the airport, and we stood in the window there inside the airport. We watched planes take off and fly all day long. And then you even read the statistics about the most dangerous part of flying is driving to the airport <laughs> or driving home from the airport. I mean, driving on our highways is more dangerous. More people are killed. Twenty to 50,000 people a year are killed on our highways. And we haven't had a major airline crash in America in 20-something years. It could happen tomorrow, but even then it would be statistically, when I say the word only, please forgive me, it would only be 100 people, 80 people, or a couple hundred people, not 20 or 30 or 40,000 that die on the roads. So you go through all of that, and you explain to me, Carl, your 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 unbelief in flying, your fear of flying is unwarranted. Uh, but when it, but so the thing is, do you believe these airplanes can fly? Well, of course I believe it. I'm watching them fly. Do you understand aerodynamics, you know, thrust, forward thrust, and the wings, and the lift from the air under the wings? Do you understand there's a science to this? Don't you believe that planes will fly? Yes, I believe with my head because I know the facts, but I do not believe with my life I'm not going to get on an airplane. Oh, that's believing with your heart. Well, you can just substitute the word heart and put in the word life. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God, boss, Lord. And believe with your life that God raised him from the dead. So, in other words, you're saying, I believe he went to the cross for me. I believe he rose from the dead for me and for all who would believe. And I know what that means. It means he is Lord, he is boss, he is God, and my life now belongs to him. Living for Jesus is not so much a lifestyle. It is that, but it is our life. And we begin to, we begin to understand we must walk in a contextual, biblical worldview. We must believe what the Bible says, especially about the big things. There's only one way to salvation, Jesus. Uh, a marriage is between a man and a woman. The Old Testament says it, and Jesus says it. Uh, there is only a male and a female. The Old Testament says it, and Jesus says it. Uh, the Bible is the Word of God. The whole Word of God says that. The Old Testament says it. Jesus says it. On and on and on. That's my biblical worldview. And that's what that whole, that one little sentence means. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you shall be and it says saved, I'm going to say born again. And that's the difference. Satan knows the Bible's the word of God, but he will not live it with his life. He knows Jesus is the son of God, but he will not bow his knee to him. He knows there is the creator of God on his throne in glory, and, and he rules over all. But Satan thinks he rules this earth, and so he mocks all of that. So he believes with his head that, on, that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He hates that. It scared him to death when he realized that that was his death nail. That was the curse from the garden that God put on Satan when he said, from the womb of a woman is going to come a male child who's going to crush your kingdom, your head. Well, he meant on the cross. Satan believes in the cross. He was there. He believes in the resurrection. He was there. And he realized that was his death nail. So you see, Satan believes all this stuff with his head, but not with his life. He will not bow his knee and confess 
his sinful nature and, and surrender his life to Jesus Christ. He will not. And there's the difference. And so, yes, I believe once saved, always saved, if you're really born again. If you did confess and you continue to confess and you have no shame in confessing to anybody, anytime, place that Jesus Christ is your Lord and you believe with your life that the cross and the empty tomb were for you and you say it, you say it, you declare it before the Lord and you declare it before this world then that is evidence that you are truly born again. In spite of the fact that tomorrow you may stumble and fall, let a curse word fly, uh, whatever, you know, but then you say, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry. I want to make this right. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Well, the very fact that you would even feel that way is evidence of the fact that the Holy Spirit is convicting you. And the only way the Holy Spirit can convict you is if you belong to Jesus Christ. Does all of that make sense, brother? Great sense. I love the the, the heart life thing. Yeah. That's when when they believe in their heart or in the, with that life. You know, that's when you see change. Yeah. And then you are born again. This is what I have to say. Give me just a minute. Oh yeah. Um, people say the sacrificial system went away. Well, I I really kind of test that in the sense of this. Yeshua said he was looking for living sacrifices, and that's what it means to be born again. We let our old self die, and we let him be Lord of our life, and we become a new person. The old person that I was, the old outlaw type biker person that I was, is dead. It's gone. No longer exists. I am a new creation in the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach. But that's that's the kicker. I honestly believe it. I believe it good enough to get on the airplane, get in the car, and do the thing. Because I honestly believe it. I know it with my heart. Back to you. Yeah, you've immersed your life in it. He becomes your life, not just a mental assent to, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I, yeah. there's historical evidence that the guy lived. and He was a good guy, and I believe in him, therefore I'm saved. Nope. Uh, in fact, in the book of James, uh, James says, so, so, you say you believe in God? Well, good for you. Even the demons believe in God, and they tremble in his presence. So, so yeah. you know, I, I believe in Jesus. Well, good yeah. for you, you know. But, but is your life wrapped up in his? Are you standing in the word as, as, as your biblical worldview? I mean, that's the thing. Are you ashamed of his name? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Or can you share it and say, that's me. Here's my Lord. This is where I stand. I don't believe in evolution because I have a biblical worldview and I am unashamed of it. Apparently, you're unashamed to say you came from a monkey. I'm unashamed to say that I came from a creator, an intelligent designer. Oh, amen. No monkeys in this house. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Well, so anyway, you want me to do a little thing on Hanukkah real quick? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. you got about four minutes. Okay, four minutes. Wow, I've never done this in four minutes, but here we go. All right, so Hanukkah goes back to 630 years uh, B.C., I do believe, somewhere right in there. Oh, excuse me, I, I don't think that's correct. I think it's more like uh, 100, 160 years, 164 B.C., I think is when it was, when they rededicated the temple. Who's they? Well, the Jews. Uh, you know, they've been under Persian captivity, but they rebuilt the temple, the second temple period, at the, at the instruction of the, 
of the uh, emperors of, of Persia, the walls and the city. And the, and, and so in, in the meantime, the Greeks finally defeated the Persians, and then the whole world was under the Greeks, under Alexander the Great. But, and so that means the Jews were there too, but they, they, in, they were in the area of Judea, and they had the temple, and so they were you know, trying to get the sacrifices going again and the priestly duties. But then the Roman Empire is on the rise. But in the meantime, when Alexander the Great dies, his kingdom is broken into four parts. And the Bible talks about all this. History does too. And um, the the Seleucid dynasty and the Ptolemaic dynasty, and Ptolemaic is spelled with a P-T-O-L-E-M-C, so it's pronounced Ptolemaic dynasty, and the Seleucid dynasty controlled that part of the Greek empire that encompasses basically the Middle East, Northern Africa, the Levant, which is that whole crescent of Israel and Lebanon and Syria, all in there. Okay, so the Seleucid dynasty uh, basically was in charge of the Middle East and the Levant. The, the Ptolemaic dynasty was basically in charge of Africa, North Africa, Egypt, Libya, all in there. Well, they warred with each other continually, and they fought a lot of it over Israel. Why? Because that was a land bridge to three major continents. It was filled with natural resources. It was just, it was an amazing piece of property, and everybody wanted it. It was militarily strategic, located on the, uh, the, the, the Mediterranean, and so... Anyway, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, this this great commander of, of of the Seleucid dynasty, he marched into Jerusalem many times, tr- mistreated the Jews terribly, and then eventually committed the ultimate sin and sacrificed a pig, or he had one of his people do it, a pig on the altar in the temple, desecrated it, started using the temple as a horse stables for his troops. And you know what horses do in stables. That's what they were doing in the temple of all places. So the Jews hated him. Finally, there was a revolt and, uh, and, and, and a war against the Greeks in that area. The Jews revolted, and it revolted under a priest. It was called the Hasmonean dynasty. It was called the Maccabean revolt. You can read all about this. I know this is confusing to some of your listeners, but I'm condensing it down. And they, the Jews, won that area. They conquered that area. They took it from the from the Greek Empire that was already beginning to fall apart under Antiochus, and they they held Jerusalem for about a hundred years until the Romans came in. And the Romans, this is why this explains the New Testament. This tells you why the Jews hated the Romans more than anybody, because the Romans lied to them, used them, manipulated them. They said, "Look, if you will help us." Defeat the Greeks totally. We will make you Israel again. We will let you have that whole land. It'll be yours. And so the the Jews helped the Romans. And then the Romans said, We lied to you. You now belong to us. But to keep you happy, you can ha- keep the temple. You can keep your priests. You can keep your synagogues. You can keep your rabbis. We will even give you a king. And King Herod and those guys, you know, they were puppets of the Roman Empire. They were appointed basically by Rome. That's why the Jews hated the king, King Herod. So it was just all a big farce because the Romans lied to them. So, but the but what the Greeks did. The whole story goes the whole. 
goes. I didn't do that. Okay, the the whole story goes that that they 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 cleansed it, they cleaned it up, and everything. But they brought lamps into the holy place. And they had just enough oil because they had been under an oil shortage, believe it or not, by the Greeks. I mean, the Greeks were trying to freeze them out. And, but they brought their oil. They had just enough oil for the lamps to burn for a day. But instead, they burned for eight straight days. And to the Jews, the number eight means uh, the finality of perfection. It means new beginnings. And so the eighth day, the light lasted. And they said that represented the light of God. Eight days. It's miraculous. Even the number eight. And so from that point forward, they started celebrating that day called Hanukkah in Hebrew, meaning festival of feast of dedication or the festival of dedication or the feast of lights. Now, in John chapter 10, it talks about Jesus going up to Jerusalem, and it says it was winter, and it was the Feast of Dedication. That means it was Hanukkah, and it was the Feast of Lights, and it was there where Jesus declared that he was the light of the world. It was there in John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus declared, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and no one can take them out of my Father's hand. And so we see Jesus making a big deal of, of declaring who he is, showing who he is at the festival of light. Then we go all the way back to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of, him, of the Father in him, and he was the light of the world that was coming into the world. He was the light of life to humanity. There Amen. Is I didn't think life. anybody could do that in that shorter period of time. That was wonderful, Carl, and you hit to the gist of it. He is the light of the world, and that's what we celebrate being saved. When we recognize Hanukkah, we recognize it as the light came into the world, and that light is Yeshua HaMashiach. Got to go. Tell them, PastorCarlGallops.com, and we'll talk again, brother. Yeah, CarlGallops.com. CarlGallops.com. Thanks for having me on, Pastor Dan. I love you, brother. All right. Love you, too. Be blessed. All right, folks, you must remember there is only one true God. He is your Father. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His Son is Yeshua HaMashiach. He gave his life for repentant sins, and he rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And through him, and only through him, is the way of the Father. Remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. You can do that without even giving them money. You do that by talking to them and expending Yeshua, the Holy Spirit, to them. Let them know about your Savior. They look to see how you are to see who your Savior is, truthfully. Okay, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's praying for Yeshua's return. Pray about support in Wichita Medicine Church. Lord our God, Father, King Universe, asking Yeshua HaMashiach's name, that Father, you would please bless and keep them. And that your face would shine upon them, and that you would be gracious to them. And that you would please, please, please give them peace like no one or nothing else can. Till next Thursday, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time from Messiah's Branch.